Hey everybody, welcome to Salem Fields Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris and it's awesome to be with you today and I can't believe that it's October already. Well, I want to start off today by asking you a question that's going to be a little bit part of our message today. And you might remember a few years ago, Burger King had this motto, your way right away. Well, the question I want to ask you is what is something that you like your way? Uh, whether it's a food, a drink, a certain chore, a job, maybe something like driving or even decorating. My, my go-to, what I like my way is my pumpkin spice coffee. I don't like pumpkin spice latte. I like medium roast with two pumps, not one, not three, but two pumps of pumpkin spice flavor. Well, go ahead and type your answer to that question in the chat. We'll give a chance to interact and to talk a little bit about that. And, and sometimes in life, we do like things our way, and we're kind of taught that. Well, today, Pastor James is going to share a message in the next installment of our series, Blueprints for a Belonging Community. And he's going to kind of turn that upside down. And his, his message title today is called, It's Not About You. So it's going to be an interesting message. It's going to be a great time to worship together. So I want to go ahead and invite you to check in on Facebook if you haven't already. Check in on social media. Let your friends know that you're worshiping with us here online. And they can too at SalemFields.com live or also by a Facebook watch party. And we also want to connect with you and help you grow in your relationship with Christ. So don't be a stranger. We have some great events coming up both online and also in person that we're going to share later today in the service. And we'd love to connect with you one-on-one -on -one too. So just reach out to info at SalemFields.com and I'll be sure personally to give you a call, an email, a text, or sometimes a chat this week. So know that we're glad you're here with us today, that you belong here at Salem Fields Community Church, and we pray that you hear from God today. Enjoy the service. What's up? How are you guys doing? Looks like people are still milling about, but let's stand. We're going to worship together this morning. Singing, oh, 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 oh,
Welcome, welcome, welcome. You may be seated. When you sit down next time, Jordan was showing me how to do a pistol squat. And so from now on, when you try to sit down, try to do it this way, over the chair. <laughs> Apparently it's good for your legs. Am I right? Okay. And so, and if you get hurt, I don't know what you should do. Just do someplace else. <laughs> we'll pray for you. Maybe that'll work, right? We'll just anoint you and pray over you, so that'd be good. Welcome to Salem Fields Community Church. Back-to-back live 11 o'clock service. It's amazing to be here. Honestly, I totally forgot we had an 11 o'clock service, so I used all my best material at the 9. 
So you guys are just going to get whatever comes to my giant brain as I uh, look amongst you. So, but welcome, seriously. We're so glad to have you. Thank you so much uh, for being here. Um, as you know, tithes and offerings are done differently now. Uh, we don't pass the buckets. I used this last time. I have to. But we pass buckets when we go outside. Get it? Because they're out there. You pass by the buckets. <laughs> so if, if anybody's hiring, <laughs> if you could have a resume, I'd be glad to send you. This could be the last Sunday. But seriously, we could give online any way you want. We appreciate it so much. Every dollar, as you know, uh, goes out into the world. We maintain what we do here, but really we've been cranking up everything we do out there, um, and, that, and that's kind of a big deal. So we participate in that together. It's an act of obedience, and it's a word that most Westerners don't really care for that much, but uh, we're called to be an obedient people, obedient with our time, treasures, talents, everything we do under the canopy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So money is just another thing. Um, that we, are, we give to the Lord first, and then he multiplies, right? So thanks for doing that. Um, if you don't know about the connection card, it's how we can help pray for you, pray with you, pray around you, um, keep in contact with you, how we can track you down. If you're not tithing, we'll come to your house based on the information you put on the connection card. So if you're clever, you'll lie, but then you'll be bad. So, you know, you know it's a catch-22. You can mislead us, but then you're wrong, and God hates wrongness. So, uh, but seriously, just go to salemfields.com front slash connect. Um, October and fall, we've got a lot of outside activities. Pastor Chris kind of leads the charge with uh, all the stuff that we do outside and the fun things. She's the pastor of fun. I read that on her name tag, which is really cool. I mean, I, I've been gunning for that for years, but I got care pastor. At any rate, uh, if you do the, the fall hike is at Caledon. It's on the October 12th at 10.30 a.m. You can meet there. I've actually got a friend who used to do guided tours of Caledon, and he just actually sent an email that he's going to reach out to Chris and maybe do some of the historical background. He's a, um, a history major, and it's kind of neat. So he might show up and, and do some extra stuff there. But So that's available to you. Pumpkin painting on the 17th from 3 to 5 p.m. here on campus. Uh, bring your art skills or your lack thereof. You can't really screw up a pumpkin as far as I can tell. I mean, you can try, but at the end of the day, it's just going to rot. So who cares what it looks like? But come out and have a good time. Bring your kids or, or your grown-up kids um, or yourself who acts like a kid, which is in my case what I do, and paint a pumpkin, would you? And that would be fun. So October 31st, that's Halloween still. Nobody's changed that legally, even though it's, I think it's on the floor in Congress to change it. Um, that's a joke. It's not, who cares? So we're doing a movie. Come, come watch a movie. The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, for the younger kids, or I will watch the heck out of that movie. I love that movie. I watch it every year. Every Charlie Brown special that comes on, I, I will not miss it. It's a good one. And then after that, we'll watch Ghostbusters, which is also a great go-to movie. Um, I voted for something else, but Ghostbusters is what we got. Come serve with us, would you? We want you to come enjoy the movie, which you can. But at the end of the day, us as lay ministers, priesthood of believers, those who serve in the name of the Lord, we need help to pull that off because really the movie is not so much for us another reason just to come together. It's a reason for other folks to come here and feel at home and have something to do. And we're also bringing candy into the place so we can help the kids who may not be able to go trick-or-treating. I think the jury's out if they're trick-or-treating this year. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But I did see on YouTube how cool it is to take health food and wrap it up in wrappers that make it look like it's candy which I think is hilarious. So you can, you know, if you can find a way like to do, I don't know, like rice balls and like wrap it up and make it look like uh, Hershey's or something would be awesome. So if you're clever like that, pull a fast one on a kid and when they get home and 
you'll hear their wailings at the end of the night. So anyway, we're going to continue to worship. I just want you to know we're so glad you're here. We love you and we're thankful. Enjoy. Kelly promises to work on his material for next time. <laughs> I don't care anymore. He needs a lot of affirmation, so you guys got to work on your part too. <laughs> yeah, James gives it to him, so that's great. All right, we're going to continue to worship. We got a new song here, but it's an awesome one. I hope you uh, sing along with us.
right, praise the Lord. After this prayer, folks, all the students, we're going to release you back to the student area there. So right at the end of this prayer, uh, you guys can head out. Father God, thank you so much for the invitation and the ability to worship you today, God. I'm thinking of our brothers and sisters around the globe, Father, who the very mention of your name is a death sentence. And God, yet every single moment of the day, they pursue you and they pursue others in your name. God, I pray for boldness, I pray for courage, and I pray for radical obedience to sweep over this congregation today, Father God. And Lord, in the midst of Fredericksburg, in the midst of, of this place, God, that we would be a beacon of hope and light, but we would have the courage and the boldness to radically pursue you as disciples. And God, that we would understand that in doing so, it means laying down everything that is not you and, and being consumed by you and by your spirit, that we would emulate you in everything that we do, everything that we do, every step that we take, every breath that we breathe, Father, is in your name. I pray, God, that you would just encourage us today in your spirit, that your spirit would fall upon us, Father, that we would just be so incited to want, out, to want to go out and do your business and what you're doing and join in your work, God, that we could barely contain ourselves. Lord, the world needs radical disciples. And so I pray, Father God, that you would uh, let it begin here. Let revival sweep across our nation and sweep across our world and let us be a part of it. We honor you and we thank you for the ability to worship you today. Yours is the most beautiful name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Students, get out. Hey, we're so glad to have you here uh, today for our first back-to-back, -back, uh, coming back-to-back -back service. So you can say, you can say that you were part of the first service back at 11 o'clock. Some of you I've never even seen face-to-face, -face, and so I met some of you today and I'm so glad that you are here. And let, let me say this to you. Uh, for the next 30 minutes, let's say for the next 30, 32 minutes, I know you got a lot of stuff you're thinking about when you get home and different things like that, but would you focus your attention on what God is wanting to say to you in the next 30 minutes? Because here's what I know. When we show up like this and we gather in his name, his spirit shows up and he's all about speaking to us and, and he's all about encouraging us and sometimes correcting us and taking us to the next level so that we can become more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. So would you put everything else aside, and would you just focus in and say, Lord, speak, because your servant is listening. Your servants are listening today, and so thank you for being here. Uh, if you spent any time in the church, I, uh, I've been in the church all my life. I grew up with foster. My first set of foster parents was a pastor and his wife. Right? And so, and then my second set of foster parents were two people who were constantly in church. And then when I got back to my biological family's home, there was a 500 feet up the road was a church that, that one day the youth pastor came and knocked on the door and invited us to a vacation Bible school. Man, we don't even talk, we don't even use that word anymore. Yeah, let me tell you what it was. It was this thing that you would do in the summertime where you would bring the kids, and it was basically like a babysitting service, right, for your kids. In the summertime, when you wanted to get your kids out of your way and wanted to have some free time, you would just send them to vacation Bible school. Sometimes it was in the daytime, sometimes it was in the nighttime. But I went to vacation Bible school, and I began to go to church again. So I've been around church for a very 
long time. But if you've ever been around church, you have seen these people that I call look at me people. Look at me people. You've seen them. They are the ones that you can't help but notice because they are constantly bringing attention to themselves. I mean, there are plenty of reasons for people to crave attention. Sometimes we crave attention because we have bad self-esteem, right? So I, I don't feel good about myself or maybe a, something happened to me when I was growing up and then I feel like I'm not all that I would like to be. And so sometimes I can want people to pay attention to me so that I feel better about myself. Um, and so sometimes I'll crave attention to kind of lift up my own kind of image in my mind and the mind of others. And then... There are the people that are look-at-me people. I mean, the Pharisees that we'll talk about later on today, the Pharisees, they were look-at-me people. They loved attention because, well, they loved attention. I mean, in other words, it was all about them. Look-at-me folks love to be seen, they love to be heard, and they love to be revered, and they're a look-at-me people. But look at me is the very opposite of what Jesus came to inaugurate in the blueprints for a belonging people. Because in that kingdom, in that kingdom, the idea is not look at me, but the, the, the marching orders is, 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 is not about you. It's not about you. And it, we've heard that term, we've heard that term so much that it's kind of become cliche. We've heard it so much. The best-selling Christian book in the last 30 years besides the Bible starts out with this one sentence. It's not about you. In a culture where the anthem is, I did it my way. In a culture where the anthem is, it's all about me. In a culture where we jump on the net and we see commercials that say it's about you. When we turn TV on, we hear people say, you deserve a break today. When, we, when we're at a, 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 see a billboard, we see a billboard saying, you deserve it. It's you. You can have the car and you can have everything else too. We live in that kind of of culture. So after all, it's got to be about me, right? It's got to be about us. Everything we read, see, hear in our walk around world says it's all about us. Here's a problem. Sadly, even in the church, in the place where we're supposed to be called to, to a blueprint of belonging community, it can be the same exact thing. Everything is about our needs our doctrine, our dress, our worship, our likes, our dislikes, all of the wars, all of the conflict in the church that we've experienced over the last 50 years has always been about me, my, I mentality. If anything, if anything, if any phrase sums up the blueprints of a belonging community, it is this phrase, it's not about you. So we're going to practice this today. If you're at home there listening to me online, you can, you can say it as well. We're going we're gonna to say it together at the count of three. We're going to say it's, it's not about me. So because we, we, we want to get that together, right? Because that's the point of the message today. On the count of three, one, two, three, it's not about me. Let's do it again. It's not about me. One more time. It's not about me. It's not about us. 
And so Jesus came on the scene to remind us that it's not about us. His call was for us to respond, to respond to his grace. He says, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, no matter what you've been a part of, my grace is free for the taking. So this kingdom life is about what God has done on our behalf. What Jesus says in this blueprint for a belonging community is this. When you respond to my grace, you are transformed from the inside out. And then you become your God-created self. I think for us, for our culture, for our world, our problem is we're living out our we-created self. We're living out someone else's created version of us. But God calls us to, and God is transforming us through his grace when we take advantage of it, to, to live in, a, in our God-created self. So with this in mind, Jesus continues these blueprints of a belonging community, this Sermon on a Mountain, by focusing on three disciplines of the kingdom, giving, fasting, and praying. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about Jesus coming to inaugurate a new kind of morality ethic. He talked about, you have heard it said this, but I tell you this. And, and in, that, in that message last week, we talked about how Jesus came not to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law to help people to understand and get the, the, real, the real kind of message that he was given to the law. The law was created to drive us to God. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I want you to not get what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the religious people have done to the law, but I want you to understand the law. And then the very next discourse, he begins to talk about how we can practically live out that new moral ethic. And so these disciplines of prayer and fasting and giving, these wouldn't be run-of-the-mill disciplines. Every good Jewish kind of belonger would have known about these disciplines. Uh, these were things that they worked into their lives. These, these disciplines were part of their religious lives. They're like our evangelical versions of these, right? As soon as you get saved, what do we say? If a person gives their life to Christ, we want them to get in the Bible and read. We tell them that they need to pray. They need to have communication between them and God. And we say that they need to set aside a devotional time. So these are just like those disciplines that we have as a part of our Christian devotion. Jesus didn't have a problem with the disciplines. In fact, he loved the disciplines. He thought they were great. He thought they connected people with his father. He thought that they, they helped people to focus on what was real. The problem was that he didn't like the reasons that people did them because they weren't the right reasons you know that most of the stuff we mess up on is not the stuff that we're doing. It's, it's having the wrong motives and, the, and doing things for the wrong reason, the right things for the wrong reason. And so Jesus begins in this discourse to begin to set the record straight about these three disciplines. And let me tell you, he uses examples that they would understand, and I'll try to give you some examples that you might understand. Matthew 6 one, uh, one through four says this, be especially careful when you. Be especially careful when you. Be especially careful when you. So these things I'm talking about weren't things that they could do 
weren't things that they had options to do. They're things that they were called to do as people who belong in community. So when you, be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding when you, there it is again, when you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure, play actors I call them, treating prayer meetings and street corners like a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They'll get their applause true, but that's all they will get when you help someone out. Don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly and unobtrusively, and that way your God who conceived you in love, working, that's the way, your God who conceived you in love, working behind the scene, helps you out. So he talks about two things there. The word is alms in the Greek, and he talks about acts or good deeds. In, in verse 1, it's talking about acts and good deeds. And then in verse 2, it's a different word. It's kind of the, it's kind of the word like the lame man in Acts who sat at the gate of the city, and he was asking for alms and instead got legs. It's that kind of situation, right? See, the 9 o'clock service got that. <laughs> My, my preaching pastor used to always say, don't laugh at your own jokes. <laughs> don't laugh at your own jokes. So, so it's this idea that, that there's giving, right? There's giving and good, do- and good deeds, and then they're giving money. First, notice this assumption that you're supposed to, these things are things that you're supposed to do. So when you do something, see, we bought in, we've been bought into the kingdom to, to be involved in giving back. We've been, we're in the kingdom, and once we transform, and once we become belongers, we become givers. Here's the reality. We are not givers by nature. By nature, we're takers. By nature, everything we want to do is we want to take. We want to take care of ourselves. We want to be number one. We want to be, it's, my, it's, it's about me, people. But once we come into the kingdom, God begins to transform us from the inside out, and we become givers. The prodigal son said it like this, give me what's coming to me. It's a great story because if you you dig into the story a little bit, he was basically saying, Dad, drop dead. Dad, I know I'm supposed to get the inheritance when you die, but I, I, I want it now. I want what's coming to me now. So, Dad, you go ahead and drop dead and give me my money now. By nature, we're takers and not givers. But it wasn't just this idea of taking and giving. It was, it was the Pharisees and this, the people who, it was all about them. They had this way of, of making, kind of seeking attention. When I was uh, going to East Nazarene College, if we, in Massachusetts, if, if we wanted to... Um, make an announcement in the cafeteria. The cafeteria was just kind of community and where everybody gathered together. And uh, back in the day, in the olden days, in the Stone Age, we all ate together, right? It wasn't this little thing where we had a place here where you get Mexican food and a place here where you get Chinese and a place here where you get burgers. It was a, it was a cafeteria thing. You had a tray and you put it on this thing and someone went boom, 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 and that was it. You're out, right? So in that kind of place, if you wanted to make an announcement, you got a big pan and you got a spoon. And you would go up to the stage and you would bang the pot. Bam, bam, bam. And everybody knew that you were supposed to quiet down and you were supposed to listen. Well, that's what the 
It's about me, people would do. They would figuratively bang the pan so that everybody would pay attention to what they're doing. And Jesus comes on the tune, on the scene, and he says, it's not about your, it's, it's about your attitude and, and not your acting. The religious play actors have perfected the skill of outwardly playing up and presenting a polished outward appearance. They had it down to a science. They were like our politicians that show up to disasters with 100 camera crews and news reporters so the story gets out. They knew how to get the glory for what they were given, but God was generally not impressed. You've seen them. People who do things and make sure everybody knows it. There's this thing in Facebook right now where someone will invite you to give to whatever their birthday ideal is. I did this uh, back in June when my birthday was going on. I just thought I would do it just to, just to kind of do it and see what happens. And, and, and we end up raising a lot of money, but I've gotten those in return, right? And so they give you an option once you get those, whether you want to do it, you know, anonymously or whether or not you want to do it so it goes to your Facebook account so everybody knows. Now, I, can, I, could be really pi- I could be really pious and say, well, I'm just putting on my Facebook account so other people can give to that. Or I could be putting on my Facebook account so everybody can say, James, you're the man. You're giving to this person's birthday thing. We've all been there. And motive counts. And I'm sure there's some people who are putting on their Facebook account so that... People will give to it. And maybe they're more spiritual than I am. That's all right. There are more people more spiritual than I am. But I was tempted in that moment to put it out there so that people could give and that people could say, James the man. So I just decided not to do it. But that's how easy it is to fall into this play acting that that Jesus was talking about. Jesus saying, belongers aren't hypocrites. Because it's it's, it's hypocritical to have a situation where I'm pretending to be one thing, do one thing when I'm actually doing something else. The word hypocrite means to wear a mask, as the Greeks did in their drama. They had these masks, and they would be acting things out, and they would have a smiley face mask, or they would have a frowny face mask, or they would have an angry face mask, but they wore masks. And when the Pharisees were going to give to the poor, they would literally sound the trumpet. They said it was, get, it was to get the poor to come out to them to get money. But Jesus calls them out and says, no, no, no. It's not about the poor getting money. It's about you getting attention. They wanted recognition. They wanted prestige. They wanted applause. They wanted the honor of people. And, 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 and I, I get that sometimes. Sometimes we want attention. But God is the God who comes to us through Jesus and says to us, I love you. I love you, and there's nothing that you're going to do that will keep me from loving you. Nothing good or nothing bad. Paul goes on to say, nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so sometimes we're looking for attention in all the wrong places. And so sometimes we we so crave the attention and the applause of other people when God is saying, I got you. I got you. You don't need the applause of other people. Here's what I've learned about life. What the most important person in your life believes about you is what you will believe about yourself. 
And many of us have grown up in situations where the most important person in our lives always has not been encouraging. Sometimes the most important people in our lives can be our roughest critics. And so sometimes we can grow up with a, 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 a sense of self-esteem that's not very good. Sometimes it's our spouse, sometimes it's our parents, sometimes it's our kids, sometimes it's a friend. And, and, and we can grow with a sense of bad self-esteem. But if you're a belonger, let me say something to you. Jesus should be the most important person in your life. And here's what Jesus believes about you. Jesus loves you, and he loved you so much, and he loved me so much that he was willing to leave all the splendor of heaven and move into the neighborhood and become like us so that we could become like him. And so if Jesus is the most important person in your life, you should have great God-honoring self-esteem because he loves you, and nothing will separate you from that love. That's worth a hand clap because the God who created the universe knows about you. He knows the hairs on your head. He has written your name on the palm of his hand. He knows your first day. He knows your last day. And he knows every day in between. And that God loves you. That's good news. So you can't, you shouldn't be walking around with bad self-esteem, craving the attention of other people when God's got you. But all of us have been at a place where we've been hurt with hurts and habits and hang-ups and different things like that. And that's why God wants to, by grace, lead you into a transformation that happens from the inside out so that you know that he cares about you. See, God doesn't look at the outward show but he, he, he looks at the inward person, at our attitudes and our intentions, and especially at our humility and our, our love and our faith and our hope. And when God finds someone, when God finds someone with a good heart, when God finds someone with pure motives, when he, he finds someone who's about lifting him up and giving him glory, he pays attention. Listen to 2 Chronicles. But you asked God for help, and he gave you the victory. God is always on the alert. The NIV says God is searching to and fro constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to him. So Jesus says, stop tooting your own horn. Sometimes phrases from the Bible enter our kind of our, our common vernacular, our English language, things such as, Am I my brother's keepers? Or laughter is the best medicine? Or by the skin of our teeth? But blowing your own horn comes from this particular story. This refers to rich people who would be carried on the shoulders of their slaves, and they would have one of their slaves go before them and blow a horn that basically was to announce that they were coming. And the idea was the poor people would come out and they would throw coins at them how great, how great this patron, this patron of poor people is throwing coins at him. But Jesus looked through it all and says, you're just blowing your own horn. And you know, we do that, right? Whenever someone names a hospital wing after themselves, toot, toot, right? Uh, whenever someone sends out a press release every time they give money, toot, toot, Whenever a politi the political pork barrel circus that happens right around these times of election, toot toot, Jesus said when we give to be seen, when we give to be applauded, 
when we give to be honored, when we give to be congratulated, we have received our reward in full. Belongers of a blueprint community act differently. Instead, we are to give undercover and in secret and hiding it and not thinking about what it looks like. The idea is that we give humbly and we give secretly, not for human approval, because that's the way God gives to us. And then, Jesus, and then God goes on in the Old Testament, Isaiah, to talk about real giving. Listen to what he says. Why these frenzy sacrifices, frenzies of sacrifices, God asking, don't you think I've had a feel of burnt sacrifices, ram and plump grain-fed calves? Don't you think I've had my fill of blood from bulls and lambs and goats? When you come before me, whoever gave you the idea that act, of acting like this, running here and there, doing this and that, all the sheer commotion in the place provided for worship, quit your worship charades. I can't stand trivial religious games, monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meeting, meeting, meeting. I can't stand one more meeting for this and meeting for that. I hate them. What would have God talk like this? I hate them. You warm me out. I'm sick of your religion, 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 while you go right on sinning. When you put up your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way, no matter how long, no matter how loud or often you pray, I'll not be listening. And do you know why? Because you've been tearing people to pieces and your hands are bloody. Church, church let me be honest with you. I spend a lot of time on social media seeing Christians tear each other to shreds. And I think what God says is, you can show up to church all you want to. You can pray all you want to. But when your hands are bloody, I will not see it. I will not hear it. So can I give you a challenge? Can I give you a challenge as we go through the next month? As we as we participate in this political circus, as we see all the partisanship, as we see people tearing people apart, can I give you a challenge? Can you pull out of it? And can you be the one who speaks God's grace into that situation? Can you be the one that speaks hope into that situation? See, God does not listen when we come with all of our pious talk and our pious prayers and our pious giving and our pious going if we are tearing people apart. And so he says in verse 16, go home and wash up, clean up your act, sweep your lives clean of your evil doing so that you, I, I don't have to look at them any longer, say no to wrong, learning to do good, work for justice, help the down out, stand up for the homeless, go to bat for the defenseless, come and sit down. Let's argue this out. The gods, that's, this is God's message. If your sins are blood red, they'll be snow white. If they are red like crimson, they'll be like wool. See, undercover giving happens as we understand that God is not into our performance. God wants to remove us from the need to be applauded by others. He wants to do 
He wants us to do our good deeds from pure motives, from a pure heart, from pure attentions, to help those in need as he has helped us. I love the story of the, the Good Samaritan. And Augustine, in his interpretation of the Good Samaritan, says that we, we are the person left on the road for dead. And religion came by and passed us by. But he sent Jesus, and Jesus is the good Samaritan that comes by and sees us dead in our trespasses and our sins and sees us left there. And Jesus comes, and he, he, he bandages our wounds. Jesus takes us to a place and takes care of us. So we're to do to others what God in Christ Jesus did for us. Not about you, one audience praying. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theater, theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in the box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God and just be there as simply and honest as you can manage. Your focus, the focus will shift from you and it will shift to God and you will begin to sense this grace. See, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with who knows you better than you know yourself. Here's a, could, could, you imagine, could you imagine some kids saying to their father, Oh, God, great and exalted daddy. Oh, great and exalted father. I do humbly beseech you. I do humbly beseech you that you would give me a PS5. Oh, father. Oh, exalted father, do it for me. Of course not. Of course not. God doesn't need all of that. God says, just come, come and simply be who you are, as simply as you can, and come talk as if you're talking to your dad. Jay never comes to me and says, oh, exalted father, give me a PS4. He says, dad, you going to get that PS4 for me? <laughs> Jesus in Jesus' day, see, they had to pray three times a day. They had to pray at 9, they had to pray at noon, and they had to pray at 3 p.m. And no matter where they were, they would stop and pray. And in the scripture that we talk about in verse 2, when it talks about the road, it talks about a narrow place. But in this verse, it's talking about a big old highway kind of a place. And it wasn't that Jesus was, didn't want them to pray and stop and pray. That wasn't the deal. The problem was they would schedule their time. They were scheduled their time so that when those times came, they were in a big, giant place in the highway, and they would lift up these exalted prayers just so they could be seen and heard and applauded. And Jesus said, stop that stuff. And here's the reality. The reality is people don't know. People didn't know that they had timed themselves to be in those places. They just thought they were pious people. They were just doing what they were supposed to do. God is not into that, and we don't have to do it, and he's not impressed. He just says, be there. 
We've probably all seen prayer meetings where sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so got up and prayed these eloquent, these outstanding prayers, right? I used to be a teenager, and there would be these, these saints that would get up and pray these prayers, right? And, and I thought I had to pray like them. I thought anybody that was spiritual would be able to pray like that. And so I wanted to pray like that with all the great words and the great adjectives and, and all of those things. And I love Jesus says there were two people who went up to the temple to pray. And, and the Pharisee, the publican, kept on going, the, the Pharisee kept on going on and on and on about how great he was and how God was lucky to have him. But a tax collector that went there and didn't even look up to heaven, just, just put his knees on the ground and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that tax collector went home right before God and not that Pharisee. So we're called to be there, to be there. John Bunyan said this, a prayer is better to have, in prayer is better to have a heart without words than have words without a heart. We should pray in secret before we pray in public. I think sometimes it's too, we do too much praying in public and not enough praying in secret. So we're to be, it's kind of seen and not heard. Jesus was saying, if you make a show out of prayer, you'll get what's coming to you. You'll be seen and not heard. The, Lord prayer, the Lord's prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray is a perfect, concise prayer. And then he goes on, he talks about the folks who just kind of keep on going and going and going and going and going. Like the story of Elijah in the, in the showdown at Mount Carmel. When Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, we're going to see today who God is. So you pray to your God, we're going to put a bull here, and, and the God that answers by fire, he's God. And you pray to your God, and they're praying, and they're going on and on, and God, their God is not answering. And they begin to chant, and they begin to go louder and louder and louder, and they begin to cut themselves and all of that kind of stuff. You don't have to do that. You're a belonger. You're a person that, that, that Jesus died for. So you can go to him as simply as you can. And so we're called to do it just like Jesus. Matthew 14, 23 says, And when he set the crowns away, he went up to a mountain apart to pray. And when evening had come, he was there alone. He was there alone. Jesus was there alone. Do it like he does it. Last but not least, not about you down low fasting. He goes in verse 16 and says this, when you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, I love that, the definition, when you practice, when you, when you practice some self-denying, you know, practice, right, to better concentrate on God, that's why we fast. We're not fasting people much anymore. But when you, when you practice fasting, the better concentrate on God. Don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, if you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo your, and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. You know why they would do this? Because they were living in a society that had pagan gods. And with the pagan gods, you had to offer them some kind of sacrifice. You had to go on and on and on. And you had to act out to get that God to pay attention. And he was saying, that's not the God you serve. That's not the God who conceived you in love. That's not the God by his grace that made possible a relationship with him. 
That's not the God who moved into the neighborhood. You don't have to do that kind of stuff. See, the Pharisees fasted. The, the law was that you would fast, right, during uh, the Day of Atonement. It was mandatory that you fast it one time a year during the Day of Atonement from, from morning to dark. And, and other than that, it was up to you when you fasted. But the Pharisees would fast twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. These two days happened to be, they just happened to be major Jewish market days. When cities and towns were crowded with farmers and merchants and shoppers, and the result was that those days, would have a, they would have a bigger audience to see them and to, for them to have their piety admired. So the, it, it's about me, folks. We're, we're walking the markets, right? And, and they would look downtrodden, and, and they would look terrible, and people would ask them, well, what's wrong? And they would say, oh, we... we We've been fasting. We've been fasting. And God is saying, stop it. Stop it. And, you know, it's easy for me to laugh at them and to think, man, I would never do anything like that. But we have our own versions of that. Right? We have our own versions of that. And God says, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do that. So in this passage, four or five times, he says, in seclusion, in a quiet place. Not in, not in this public place where you can be looked at and applauded, but in a quiet place. You pray, you give, you fast in such a way that it brings glory to God. And what happens, and when it brings glory to God, then God will take care of your applause. God will take care of making sure everyone else sees it and knows it and it brings glory to him. And what begins to happen is God begins to move on the scene and move in your life and move in such a way that other people come to know him. So here's the deal. It's not about us. It's about him. And people in this belonging community get that. And they begin to live that out. And it changes everything else. So let's say it one more time. It's not about me on the count of one, two, three. One, two, three. It's not about me. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that it is all about you. It's always been about you. It will always be about you. So, Father, help us as belongers in, a, in, in this blueprint of a belonging community, as belongers a part of that community. Father, help us to live our lives in such a way, Father, that you receive the glory, to, to, to live ourselves in such a, our lives in such a way that you transform us from the inside out and our motives and our intentions are pure. And, Father, that we're all about giving you the glory, that we're all about exalting exalting you with our lives. Father, help us to understand that we don't have to yell and scream and, and we don't have to do all that kind of stuff because you love us. And when we come as we are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you hear us. And you respond. So today, Father, maybe here online or in the seats, there's someone who... Uh, 
who's dealing with the self-esteem issue in such a way that it's, uh, it's crippling. It's, it's almost, they're so craving the applause of people around them, so craving the congratulations of people around them. And Father, you can do something about that. You're in the business of transforming that, of reorienting, restructuring our mind and our heart in such a way that we understand that your amen is the most important amen, the most important applause, the most important congratulations, the most important affirmation that we will receive is because of you. And so, Father, today, help us confess that, that, that part of us that wants to be seen and heard and congratulated. Help us confess that. And you're willing to do something with that. You're willing to come in and transform us in such a way that 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 does not become paramount in our lives. And then, Father, there might be some people listening to me or here in the auditorium that might not have the first any inkling at all about what it means to be a belonger, what it means to be a person who who has given their lives and are in relationship with you. And I thank you, Father, that you're still in the business of sending your grace out before us so that we can respond to your grace by faith. And so if someone's listened to me and and you don't have a relationship and you just want to pray a prayer like this, God, thank you. Thank you for coming and moving into the neighborhood. Thank you, Father, for your sacrifice on the cross on my behalf. And today I receive your great gift of salvation. I make you the the Lord of my life, the CEO of my life. Forgive my rebellion, my, my sense of doing my own thing and, and come and, and take up residence in my heart and my life and begin this process of transforming me from the inside out. And I thank you. Father, for all you do, we give you praise. Hey, if you responded today, we have a slide up that will tell you a number of ways that you can respond Um, today. And so if you want to pray, someone will be here at the stage to pray with you. Uh, You can email me. I would love to hear if you made a decision today because we want to follow up and make sure we get you discipled and tell you about the decision that you've made. Hey guys, we're on this thing together. I am so happy that you're belongers. And in this process belonging, we're going to the next level. And so I'm excited about that. And I hope you're excited about it too. Because our mission is to bring hope to people who are hopeless. And we do that by belonging in community. And so let's go make it happen by the grace of God together. Love you guys. Have a great rest of the weekend. Well, we're so glad that you joined us for worship today. And what a challenge it is, right, to look outside of ourselves. Uh, but, but it's a responsibility of belongers, belongers in Christ to do that. It's part of the blueprints for what it means to be part of this community of faith. And, and know, though, that when you turn this off and when you tune out, that worship does not end here. Your church does not end here. And we want to connect with you. So be sure to like us on Facebook if you haven't already. We have a bunch of things that are going on throughout the week, including what we call our deeper dive. And that usually takes place on Mondays at 2 p.m. Well, we're doing things a little differently. That will continue, but we're dividing it up to make it a little bit shorter. So some shorter segments throughout the week on Monday when 
Wednesday and Friday. And you can stay tuned for that. It's a great chance to dive deeper into some of the things that Pastor James has brought up. And also we continue to have our Worship Wednesday at 7 p.m., a great chance to to reflect, to breathe in real deep during the week, and also to refocus ourselves on God. And also just a reminder, we're into our in-person live services, both services, 9 and 11 a.m. on Sundays. Uh, we're also having kids ministry now and student ministry at our 11 o'clock service. So know you are always invited to join us there as well as online. And we're also going to continue to offer our children's program online at 1020, followed by our student ministry program at 1035. So know at Salem Fields Community Church, you belong here. We love you. God bless. Have a great week. And we hope to see you again real soon.